Welcome to City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. Thank you for joining us uh, in this message today. Hey, we want you to know that we have a variety of different ways that we can connect, both in person and virtually. Through you may be watching this on our YouTube channel or Facebook stream, or maybe you're listening to it through a podcast app, Spotify, or on your iPhone. Uh, on our website, cityharborchurch.com slash messages is where you can download or stream the audio and get the notes as well. In whatever way you're connecting with us, we're glad that you are. Hey, make sure that you're getting our weekly email newsletter uh, where it'll help you stay connected with the ways both virtually and in person that we're getting together. Right now what we're doing is a um, weekly Thursday night Zoom and in person once a month an all-person worship service at the church building uh, a different weekend of the month, a once-a-month in-person prayer meeting, and on a different weekend of the month, a once-a-person, a once-a-month in-person social gathering. And so we just want to make sure that you have an opportunity to be connected with that, keep up with us in that way. We're trying to make life easier um, and more accessible for you. <clears throat> One of the things we've been doing as a church family this year uh, to be truly following Jesus, getting to know Jesus better, is reading through the New Testament at the same time, the same passages at the same time together. You can see the whole uh, reading plan. The link is in the description of this email and on our church website. And what that's helping us do is truly share this spiritual journey to learn more about who Jesus is and, and all that we can learn from that. And this week, I, we read one of uh, my favorite passages. It's a teaching from Jesus out of John 15 where Jesus invites us to receive the love of God, the love that God has for you, the love that God has for us, the new spiritual life that God has for us, that God has for you, and to receive it and to be drawn into this close personal relationship with God. Jesus is this conduit of the life of God, the love of God. And he uses the example of a grapevine um, as that. And it's an invitation for us. I don't know what you've gone through this week. I don't know what you're experiencing. But the words of Jesus just rang out this week with this invitation to receive the love of God and be in this close personal relationship. So I thought what we could do is start this video, our weekly time to be more focused on God than anything else. Um, as a church family, uh, let's start this time with some prayer. I'd like to pray for you. And as you receive the love of God, you have a moment, why don't you go ahead and then turn your attention to pray for others, your your church family, whoever might be uh, watching this or listening to this. God, I thank you for your love, your love that brings change, that makes all things new, that brings life, that brings freedom, that brings grace. I thank you for the invitation into this close personal relationship with you, that the source of life. And God, I pray 
for anyone watching or listening, Lord, would you help them right where they're at right now to be aware of your presence, aware of your guidance, that there would be life change, it'd be real, it'd be supernatural, it'd be energetic, it would bring about change in what they're going through and however they're experiencing the circumstances of life right now, that there would be something new, um, a greater level, a strength that it would bring, uh, that it would be sustaining, Lord God, lifting up, encouraging, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so very much and, and that this is all possible with you. Lord, we pray for anybody who, who may be watching this. Lord God, would you help them, help them sense your presence, that you would be real to them. God, that you would be, be life-changing to them, that they'd be able to sense it, they'd be able to receive it, that they would be excited about a new season of life. God, I thank you that you are so alive, you are so real, you are so tangible. God, uh, help us to truly turn to you in this way. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad uh, that we could uh, share this time together, that's for sure. Uh, we are, um, actually, ever since uh, the week of Easter, uh, when we really had a close look at Jesus, we have been asking ourselves, what do we learn from Jesus? What do we learn from people who were with Jesus? Uh, what did they do in response to Jesus? And, and why, why would we do that? Why would we ask that question? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, the reality, the truth in my life is that, man, there were, uh, especially, uh, there was a time years ago where my life was dominated by the mistakes I was making. Mistakes I'd made in the past, terrible mistakes, uh, in, in putting myself over others, uh, in trying to make myself happy and, and ended up miserable and ending up in a place where I just couldn't seem, uh, but to, couldn't seem to help myself, but to just keep hurting other people in the process. And it, it, it got to a point where, uh, it was literally like feeling physical pain, the level of regret and guilt and shame, uh, the depression, the anxiety that came with it terrible mistakes that I had made. And when I came into a real encounter with Jesus, the living Savior, and found forgiveness and a spiritual cleansing and new spiritual life and and hope that didn't come from me, didn't come from anyone else, hope and new spiritual life that could only be described as a miracle, when I experienced that, that was when things really started to change. And I started to experience happiness, joy, pleasure in life that was nothing short of a miracle. That was when Jesus became real to me and, and changed my life. And out of that, was there, there was an excitement about, hey, what can I do to say thank you? to Jesus, to, to, to say thank you for, for, to God for this gift of spiritual life. How, how, how can I respond? What should I do about it? Um, and that's why we're turning to this section in Acts chapter 2 to help us answer that question, what can we do as a thank you to Jesus 
for all the ways that God has poured out love to us through Jesus. And what does it mean to be a church family? What does it mean uh, for us to, to walk through life together? Are we just going through the motions and doing things in a lifeless way that's just a bummer, that's just draining? Or are we doing something that really matters, that really has purpose, that means something to God? And so what we've been reading about is this group of people, most of whom saw Jesus, heard Jesus, and then saw Jesus put to death, raised to life, and then heard his followers explain what his teaching meant, and this is how they responded. And so that's what we're reading, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so to try to understand this and talk about what it means in real life for us. We've been going verse by verse, breaking down the different components of this and how they responded and what it meant. Today we're focused on, we are sharing resources. We are sharing resources in trying to follow their example about how we go about it. Now, why did they do it? Why would we do it? Well, there was a miracle that happened of new spiritual life and forgiveness of sins through Jesus. It's not possible and it shouldn't be done if it's out of the wrong motive, out of I'm trying to earn favor with God or, or prove to somebody else that I'm better. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is this group of people who formed a new spiritual community out of this transformation of salvation through Jesus. And in forming a community, they became active learners. They devoted themselves to a few key things, which we've talked about. They were all about sharing, koinonia, participation, sharing in it with a close bond of relationships and sharing the journey. That is what they did. Now, why would they do this? Well, in the apostles' teaching, the, the, the special uh, sent messengers from Jesus, they would have been reminded of a story that Jesus told to illustrate a truth that Jesus set in a racialized culture. Luke chapter 10, you see Jesus telling the story of the Good Samaritan, where there was a person who was beat by criminals, and then a Good Samaritan came along who would have had reason ethnically, racially, to have a disdain for the person who had been beat up and left in the road. And he showed a courage in being compassionate uh, and having a commitment to reach out to this person who was in need. But in the story, Jesus also points out that the Good Samaritan has cash and credit. And we see that in verse 35. He handed the innkeeper, the person he was leaving this man who'd been beat up with, to help take, 
continue to take care of him, give him a place to, uh, to rest. He handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So Jesus, in asking the question, who is a good neighbor? Who is a person that's going to show this kind of love to someone else? In that story, it includes that the good Samaritan was a good steward with his life, his time, his energy, and his resources, and he had cash and credit available to help someone else. And what we've seen here in Acts chapter 2 is that the followers of Jesus, they followed this example from the teaching of Jesus in Luke 10, verse 35. And so they responded that way. Let's look at a, a few more examples of that. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. This is a time where there was a great economic disparity, which there is today, but there wasn't the same amount of people that the middle class, as it were, was just not the same then as it is now. So you had great disparity between people who lived in poverty and people who had great wealth. And so what we see here, there's an example, verse 36. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the, um, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. The apostles gave him a nickname Barnabas because he was encouraging, which me, Barnabas means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. Now, this is kind of interesting. Don't want to take too long with this, but we don't see a real Jewish population on that island until two centuries later. So he would have been an extreme minority on that island as a Jew, and he would have been a person as a devout follower of God um, from the tribe of Levi. He would, was a person who would have been a minority, who had a business opportunity. That island was important in the business world and trade, and he had earned money. Now, what happens here is that this Joseph, nicknamed Barnabas, he sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. So we see an example here of how the Jesus followers, at the beginning, verse 32, we see all the believers engaged in this. And we see a specific example of Joseph. Now, in my life, my parents uh, didn't give me a car and didn't pay for my college tuition or my expenses. They did pay for my car insurance through college. And if they hadn't done that, I don't think I would have made it. But <clears throat> I didn't own a car. I used their car a little bit when I was in high school. When I got to college and I used their car for a while in college, but I didn't have my own car. Until someone gave me a, um, would have been probably an, an early 80s, a mid 80s, maybe Datsun B210. Um, actually, I think it might have been a 70s uh, Datsun B210, which is a little two-door hatchback. It had been repainted to this kind of funny shade of blue. Um, and it, you know, no air conditioning, no power windows, no, no, any of that. But I was excited to have a car that was my own that I could use to get to and from work after class and wherever I needed to go. And that was a gift. That was an example of a person who, um, ha ha was actually from Canada, was living in Portland 
and was moving back to Canada and they just decided that they didn't need the money from selling the car. They wanted to give it to somebody else who had a need. And that was an example, an encouragement, kind of like Barnabas here of they had a resource and they gave it to me. And man, that car uh, was so loud, <laughs> but it was mine and it, it was a joy and it was a provision. Now, we see more examples here within the early church. We see in Acts chapter 6, they set up the, the apostles, the elders, overseers of the church. They set up a stewardship team for the daily distribution of food. They were collecting resources, money to help cover cost and food, and they were distributing it to people who needed food, people who were in need, and particularly what we get in this story for people, uh, for women that had a husband that had died. And at this point in history, the customs of the day and some of the laws and economic situation in this culture made it very difficult for a widow to earn a living uh, if they didn't have a, the means, uh, maybe the education, uh, definitely the economic opportunity afforded to them with specific relationships. And so it was greatly challenged. They had challenging for them and they had needs. And the, the distribution of food to people was growing. It was growing. And it got to a place where the elders of the church were like, okay, this the logistics of this is more work than we can handle. And so they um, selected a qualified stewardship team to oversee it so that it could continue. And I'm thankful that for us, since the beginning of COVID, going back to April of 2020, um, to the this past month, we've been able to give away over a million pounds of food to people in need. And we've been through relationship building and working on the logistics. We've been able to develop relationships with more than a dozen nonprofits that ha are directly meeting the needs of elderly people, people who are in a place where it's difficult to earn a living. And we've been able to make sure that most of the boxes of over a million pounds of food that we've given away in, in 15 months or so have, have uh, excuse me, in, in about 13 months, have been directly delivered to people in need. That's one way that we are following the example of these early believers. Now, we see another example of this in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19. A new church of believers began in Antioch of Syria, the first place where they were called mini-Jesus Christians. This was the first church that was notably a blend of many Gentile believers alongside Jewish believers. They responded to a prophecy about a coming famine through the whole Roman Empire. They responded by sending as much money as they could afford to aid the believers in primarily Jewish churches. They sent this with the apostles uh, Barnabas and Saul. Now what we see here is an example of... Like Jesus' story, the Good Samaritans set in a racialized culture. They're not going to let that get in the way. They saw Jesus called together in his followers a zealot who was um, against everything that had to do with the Roman Empire and a tax collector who was working for the Roman Empire. Those people were together in relationship as followers of Jesus. So here we have the Antioch Church, about which we could do a whole month worth of sermon series easily with the amazing example they were. The first place that people said, hey, you're like Jesus, what did they do? They heard a prophetic word that there was trouble coming, and they got together as much of the cash as they could afford. They gave it to the, to the elders who would oversee it, who would steward it to distribute to the people who were going to be in need. There was a preparation. There was a... 
There, there wasn't a delay. There wasn't a, hey, let's sit around and debate what caused the problem. There was, and why would they be in need? Because they weren't ready to, to survive the, 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 the difficulty of the famine. No, they just got active and they went for it. They got active and they went for it. And we see that in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. Now, we had an, um, in the whole history of our church of over 10 years, we have every month given away some of the money that you give to the church where there are needs. Uh, One example of this is that there was a time in Cambodia where the ministry there, uh, local church there, meeting a lot of needs, um, including loving on and caring for people that had been the victims of sex trafficking, writing new songs in their language to love Jesus, communicate the love of Jesus. They had people that were learning music, learning how to play music, writing songs in their own language. And we were the first of the churches from outside Cambodia at that particular time of need to send money uh, to help them be able to get instruments, musical instruments that were were good that they could they could use and teach people with, and then and then they ended up recording four different worship albums as other churches from the states and Canada sent more money uh, than we did. And what do we see? We saw Jesus followers responding to a need in another place. You know, every month we also send money to a group of people in Haiti that take care of children, uh, most of whom parents became suddenly unable to care for them um, after the uh, unbelievable storms and difficulties there. And it's just one of the ways that we follow this example as a church family. Now, why do we do this? Well, we've learned a few lessons from these first followers of Jesus. One, what we see in all of the passages that we just listed through is that they viewed courageous generosity. Courageous generosity is, hey, I believe that God's already given us his best in Jesus Christ, in the forgiveness, the new life in Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to choose to live on less of my own time, energy, and money so that I can give to other people where there are needs, right? So courageous generosity was a part of these early Jesus followers, it was a part of their identity, how they saw themselves. It was a part of their value system. It was a part of their purpose in life. They'd be earning money in, in their, whether they were a baker, a fisherman, or a carpenter, whatever it was that they were doing, uh, their, whatever their family business, it was a part of their purpose in life to be able to choose courageous generosity. They made plans. They, they saved up money, and then they took action, and they responded. What we also see is that equity was a part of their culture and their value system. What you see in the examples here in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 is that the people who had wealth, who had money, who had, remember, they had homes to spare. It doesn't say they sold their home and then they were sleeping in the street. They had homes to spare. They had fields to spare. They had lands to spare. The people who were wealthy, though, it doesn't say that they looked down on the people who didn't have those resources. No, it doesn't say that. And it doesn't say that the people who were poor had anger against the people who had land and homes to spare. 
No, there was a culture of equity. There was a, Jesus has brought change. Boom. Wow. Complete and total change. Jesus has changed the landscape. Jesus has changed how we view each other. Now there's equity. We're in this together. And it was a part of their, how they viewed themselves. It was a part of the understanding they got from the teaching of Jesus. It's important for us to learn from that. Now, the other thing that we see here is that often they made donations that were to uh, cash. They gave money that was to be stewarded by the elders of the church and the teams that the elders chose to be responsible to make sure These teams of stewards that the elders chose to make sure that the money was handled handled honestly and was used for the purpose, right? It was used to meet those needs. And so they took stewardship seriously, but often what we see here is that the believers made those donations through the church. What am I saying? Well, I'm saying that maybe the things that were priorities to Jesus and priorities to these first Jesus followers, maybe they should be priorities to us. Maybe we should think about it in that same way. Uh, And so I think we might have obstacles that we need to climb over in order to be able to do that. And the obstacle can be any one of a number of different things. I find a lot of times where there are ideas that are unreliable and not helpful, they come in the area of money and relationships. And when it comes to the way we think about money, uh, we might be living in a panic paycheck to paycheck. And that can happen for a number of different reasons. Something that was completely not your fault at all, suddenly a big medical bill. Um, it, It could be any number of a reason. But the reality is, is that most people, most of the time, can make decisions about where they live, how they dress, what they eat, what they drive, where they work, that can affect how much is coming in and make an adjustment so that there's more coming in than is being spent all the time. And so I know that's like saying something that you maybe don't want to hear, but it is the truth. And so an obstacle that we might need to climb over to help us respond faithfully to say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus in the way that the Jesus followers did that was recommended by Jesus is to start to really examine how we think about money and see if it lines up with the thoughts of Jesus and the thoughts of Scripture. And um, here's how I think that that can happen. Let's talk about what we should do. Well, first, let's consider what these truths that we've taken away quickly from different Scriptures today. Let's consider what these truths mean to us personally and as a church family. I think that we see that these Jesus followers in the book of Acts, they were active learners. They were people who prayed passionately, passionately, that were devoted, that loved Jesus, and they were people that thought deeply about the teachings of Jesus and what they meant. And I think that we should do that. Each of us, we should consider what these truths mean to us personally and for us as a church family. Second, I think we should pray. I think we should be in a conversation with God, asking God what he would have us to do. What is it that God wants you to do in response to these truths? 
I'm not trying to pretend to tell you exactly what God is saying to you. You need to have a relationship with God. You shouldn't ever donate money out of guilt, out of pressure, out of a wrong motive or a wrong understanding. It should be with a joyful heart, a thankful heart in your relationship between you and God. And so it's very important that you are thinking about it, that you are praying about it. Number three, talk with other believers about it. Who do you know? And there there are people in our church family that are good examples of choosing the life of courageous generosity. Um, and what I, here's what I would say. Ben and Kristen, Chris and Abby, Joe and Anna, those are great examples of courageous generosity, of the principles that we've just talked about. And many more of you are as well. Um, and it's important for us to talk with others about these principles to help us process what we're thinking and what we're praying. Number four, then plan for how you're going to prepare to take action. I don't think that any of the principles that we're talking about, any of the truths that Jesus taught and that his followers lived out are there to make us feel guilty, shameful, uh, or have regret. No, they're there to be a part of this life change, this freedom, this joy. And what we can do is respond simply as we are able with a plan for today, a plan for tomorrow, and a plan for next year. That's how we grow in this and not just stay, oh, I have, I, I feel bad about this topic because I have this problem, that problem, and there's nothing I can do about it. No, even Jesus saw a widow give just a little tiny bit. And he said that she was generous. She was a great example of this. And so I think it's helpful for us to think no matter what my problem, I can respond faithfully with this principle. And so I hope this is helpful to you. And remember, cityharborchurch.com slash give is where you can get involved with our online donations. We have an app that is secure, the Church Center app that you can download for your iPhone or Android, and you search for City Harbor Church in Baltimore there through that app, and then you can set up your giving that way as a way to respond. We have elders, we have stewardship committee that are responsible for how funds are used, and we have done quite a bit in helping other people, but we have quite a bit more that we want to do to be able to uh, be helping others. We are a church family that lives this message um, and we are a church family who wants to continue to live this message because there's a blessing that comes with it. I know that there may be a lot that you want to talk about on this subject, but allow me to uh, pray with you today. God, I thank you. You saved us because you love us. You give us principles like this because in them there is a great reward that includes peace and joy. Help us, Lord, to have your thoughts about our resources, about generosity. Help us to respond faithfully the way that you want us to, Lord, and that we would experience the peace and joy that comes with it. I thank you, God, for who you are, for all that you have done today. In Jesus' name, amen.